Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Good morning, good day, and I hope you're having a beautiful, joyous, peaceful, nonviolent day. I do a lot of stupid things every single day, but I'm very happy to say that when I put my head on the pillow at night, I can say I didn't kill today, and that is an incredibly, incredibly joyous gift that we are trying to share with the rest of the world. I am very, very honored today to have with me an amazing guest. Alex Bez of Amazing Vegan Outreach. Alex, tell us what you're all about and what AVO, Amazing Vegan Outreach, does. Hi, Jane. Thank you so much for having me on the channel. If you see me looking down here, I'm just trying to hit the share button on the live on the live feed. Uh, oh, now you're okay. Well, let me tell you what let me tell you what I, what I do. So, um, I am a former uh, corporate sales director. I used to work in the tech industry, travel industry. Uh, I've worked in different industries. And I left my corporate career about two years ago to focus. To focus on. And a year ago, I started this organization, AVO. So I started Amazing Vegan Outreach. And uh, it is uh, focused on providing professional learning and development services for vegans and animal, right, uh, animal rights activists. And uh, there's kind of three main things that we do. So there are. Um, in-person workshops. I just got back from a workshop in Atlanta this morning. Uh, we do webinars. So uh, streaming through, actually I use the same software that you use, Zoom. So we go online. Uh, we usually have anywhere between 100 and 150 people tuning into the webinars every two weeks and uh, professional coaching services. So we do one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching and all of the services that uh, we offer through uh, those mediums are all free to all animal rights activists. So essentially, I think what you're saying is you took your skills as a, an expert in sales and applied them to selling the concept of veganism to people. Is yeah, exactly. And, and I, I start every kind of uh, speech, I guess. Uh, Alex is in Toronto. We are trying to get this message out any way we can because it's such an important message because mainstream media doesn't really give this message so he's in Toronto. I'm in LA. We're using Zoom. We're on Voice America Radio. We're trying the very best we can to have these conversations. So let's just, you look perfect. I see you perfectly. Let's try to hear you perfectly. Go again. Jane, uh, I can hear you well, and it was cutting out for a moment there. I'm in the same spot in my, uh, in my house where I always run my webinars, and they tend to work well. So I'm not sure what happened there, but it seems to be okay right now. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Go, go for it. Okay, great. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so what I was saying was that uh, people have a certain perception of salespeople, and, and I think that that perception is usually well-earned. It's not a positive one. But uh, the skills that I share with people are really, at the end of the day, they're communication skills, and they are coaching skills, and they are a way to communicate the message in a non-confrontational, uh, collaborative sort of format where we are actually coaching people and helping facilitate thought for them so that they can come to their own conclusions that 
uh, veganism makes sense for them, uh, that it, it fits well with their values and with their, uh, with their maybe life goals and that sort of thing. So that's what we do. So how did you transition? Because one of the things we say, whatever your skill is, you can use that to help animals, to help save the planet. We're running out of time. I think everybody is starting to realize climate change yeah. is going to hit them. And, you know, there's, a, there's been a long study that was done by NASA to determine why certain people won't leave when a tornado is coming. And the conclusion they reached after doing massive research is they only leave, even meteorologists will only leave when they really feel the tornado is going to hit their house. And until mm. they feel that, it doesn't matter what you say about the risk factor, they won't go. Even trained meteorologists. So what that led me to conclude is until people feel it's going to impact their life, they will not take the action. So how does that dovetail with what you do, Alex, in terms of coming up with strategies to convince people that dropping the meat is probably the most important, the single most important thing we can do for the planet, for our own health, and obviously for the animals? So, uh, yeah, what you say makes a lot of sense. And, and I think that when, when, you, when you communicate in a certain way that focuses that conversation on on that individual and not necessarily on the message that we are trying to spread and and i'll be honest with you you know my the main focus of most of my messages tend to revolve around the ethics of 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 the consumption of animals and of course you can tie in ethics with with environmental uh, issues uh, and of course there's the health uh, benefits of eating plant-based as well at the end of the day the person that should be deciding what topics we talk about or what maybe what area we go into is really that other person that I'm having that conversation with. So when we kind of remove our agenda and we maybe stop focusing so much on, you know, transferring all the knowledge that we have in our head, trying to get that into their head, and we focus more on being curious and understanding that person and what's important to them, you know, what types of values do they have? Uh, if health is a priority for them, you know, uh, what makes health such an important priority for you? And then once you start understanding what's important to that person, uh, and I can, you know, we can talk more about how I do that specifically with ethics, because like I said, most of the conversations I have revolve around ethics. But uh, once you start understanding them better, you can start asking them appropriate questions that will help facilitate thought and help to get them from where they are now to where, uh, you know, we might hope that, that they would be. But uh, more importantly, where they want to be, you know, and, and again, that can apply to any of the three kind of main, uh, I guess you can call it the main pillars of veganism, the health, the environment or the uh, ethical aspect. So let me ask you this question, because people always say, don't shame people, discuss it politely, be positive. But then I say to myself, I was shamed into going vegan. I was um, raised in a mostly pescatarian household. In fact, we thought we were vegetarians, but we ate fish, we ate eggs, we ate cheese, we ate milk. And then as I grew older, became a journalist and started seeing the horrors of what happens to animals. I became a vegetarian. Uh, then I was a lacto-ovo vegetarian. And I was just sort of trying to find that easier, softer way. And then I interviewed Howard Lyman 22 years ago, the mad cowboy who was a fourth generation cattle rancher who became very ill and made a pact with God. And he said, God, if you get me through this surgery alive, I will reveal the horrors of the meat industry that I've been involved in, that my family has been involved in. 
He survived. He went on Oprah. He wrote a book called Mad Cowboy. He was famous during that time. And I interviewed him. And afterwards, he and his publicist came over to my desk where I was working at Paramount Studios at the local news station. And they said, we hear you're a vegetarian. And I said, yes. And they said, well, do you eat dairy? And I hung my head because he had just told me about the baby calves being ripped from the mothers and how they're all sexually violated. And and I hung my head and they pointed their finger right at my nose and they said, liquid meat, when I admitted that I ate dairy. That was the moment I went vegan. I personally was shamed into going vegan. Now, had they been oh so very polite and said, you know, you might want to consider uh, because of my denial mechanisms, because of the inertia, because of every human being's desire to not have to change, I might not have made the leap. So how do you how do you reconcile, like, for example, my personal experience that I was shamed into going vegan with the notion that we shouldn't shame people, that we should just politely present the information? Sure. What you are highlighting right there, and I'm not sure if you're conscious of it or not, but what you're highlighting is what what somebody can almost get away with when they have good rapport with somebody else so when you were sitting with howard lyman uh first of all i'm 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 gonna guess that that meeting between the two of you was consensual uh you wanted to be there you wanted to talk to howard and interested to hear his point of view so you probably already had a certain level of respect for him and one of the things that we cover off, we actually spend a lot of time talking about in the two-day Mastering Vegan Outreach Workshop, is the importance of developing and building rapport with other people when we want to challenge them and when we want to push them a little harder than maybe uh, we might feel comfortable doing. And, you know, I, I refer to the concept of coaching as well when talking to people. And good coaches challenge and they push their coach ease. And so... That's what Howard did to you in a way. He, he challenged you. He gave you that challenge. He stuck his finger in your face and told you what you needed to hear at that moment. And uh, I will say that in principle, I'm never opposed to anybody speaking up for animals in whatever format that might be, whether it is a coaching style conversation, which is what I teach, uh, whether it's a debate format or even a shaming uh, format. Uh, I think that I really have focused my last, you know, 20 years of my life in trying to find the most effective ways to communicate with people and to persuade influence or the word that I use now is inspire people to uh, take certain actions and, and, and to uh, actually go forward with some sort of behavior change. So to me, um, you know, if we focus on building rapport in those conversations, uh, hopefully we don't have to shame people necessarily. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not, it, it could have its place, uh, but in general, I really like to promote more of that coaching approach where you're working someone, it's a collaborative effort. If they're, if they're able to, or if they're willing to participate in that conversation, coach the heck out of them. And if you want to know more about what that means, uh, let me know and I can, I can explain that a little bit deeper. Well, I would very much like to know, I don't take any pleasure in confronting people. I mean, it's not <laughs> something I enjoy. I would love to wake up tomorrow and have everybody have this realization that, wow, we don't have to kill animals to survive. We're killing 74 billion of them. That's a frenzied rate of killing. We kill more animals in four to 12 hours than all the human beings who have died in all the wars 
in all of human history. Something's wrong with that. Gee, I don't have to take part in that anymore. And guess what? I have better health. I can help the environment and I'll feel better as well. I'll feel better about the fact that I'm going through life uh, in a, in a nonviolent way. Uh, I wouldn't feel good about killing a human. Why would I kill, uh, why would I feel good about killing an animal that did nothing to me? Uh, but uh, the truth is that I wake up every morning and, and the normalized violence is still there. The denial is still there. The social compact that says it's rude to tell somebody that um, they are actually killing, um, that that's something that uh, should not be said, that that killing doesn't count. All of those factors are still there. So um, when you say, and I agree with you, don't confront, establish a rapport, talk to people. Um, where does the rubber meet the road, I guess? <laughs> I think the first step, and, and this is true with anything that anybody wants to do well, is you have to under, have a basic understanding, I think, of communication. You have to have a framework to use so that you can implement that. So when people, what I, what I often see uh, I, I participate in a lot of street outreach and just kind of talking to people on the streets about this topic and, and primarily with a, a group that I'm sure you're very familiar with and other people are as well, Anonymous for the Voiceless, where we actually have a tool. We have uh, video footage of what happens in that industry. So I don't necessarily need to describe to people what happens in that scenario. If I don't have that, then I can definitely uh, rely on some storytelling and tell people things that I've seen personally I really like talking about individual stories of individual animals. I have a tattoo on my arm, which you can't see right now, but that's a dairy calf that I rescued from a farm. So I can tell stories to people and, uh, and substitute if I don't have the videos in front of me. But at the end of the day, what is important to people, you know, people make decisions like this. People make a decision to go vegan, not so much from an intellectual, rational place often, or at least the decision-making process, I think, starts here in our hearts, you know? And what, what taps into that is our personal values. And so in kind of the first part of the conversation, when I'm initiating conversations with people, what I'm trying to get them to do is I'm trying to ask them powerful questions to have them tap into their values and why, like we all know, right? We all know that when people see animals being mistreated, 99% or more of the population, thankfully, feel bad, right? Or sad, or sometimes even mad when they see that. And so when people feel bad, sad, or mad, the idea then is to, is to help them find out, well, what actually makes you feel that way? Why do you feel bad, sad, or mad? And it forces them to kind of bring this unconscious emotion or the reason for that emotion out to the conscious mind. And then you can start really kind of taking them down that road where they will feel maybe a little bit more willing to or, or a little more comfortable talking about such a sensitive topic. Uh, we have a caller, Little Feather, Ventura, California. Your question or thought, Little Feather? Hi, um, I'm brand new to veg uh, I've been a vegetarian. I wanted to know how it would be easiest for me to transition from being a lacto vegetarian into completely plant based. I'm still doing um, cheese and eggs and, and butter, but I've, I've I've kicked milk, thankfully. Um, the liquid meat really got me. That comment really got me. So I wanted to know what your uh, opinion was on that. I'm, I'm really um, wanting to go vegan. And, and um, yeah, I, I know it's expensive. I know it's hard, but I'm willing with the right advice. And I was hoping you could give it to me. Well, 
Can I just ask you what was your what was your name? Little Feather. <laughs> little Feather. Okay, Little Feather. Well, first of all, thank you, thank you for for calling in for the question, Jane. I hope if you don't mind, I just I'm, I'm curious first to find out. Uh, you said that you're currently vegetarian. What what uh, inspired you in the first place to do that to vegetarian? Well, um, it started many many moons ago with the commercial back in the day. You may remember, and this might shock some of your listeners, but uh, hopefully not. The commercial back in the day with the, the young calf in the cage and veal. And as I speak to you now, it's difficult to get you know my my wits about me and, and say it without a tear. Uh, after that, mm-hmm. I never ate veal again because I grew up on veal. So it took me, uh, it was a slow process for me to turn into a vegetarian. Slowly, I've been turning into one. But that really motivated me. That commercial did it. And I started signing a petition. I became a vegetarian actually that year. But it didn't last because unfortunately I married and, and had a family that was not in, into the whole vegetarian thing. So I had to cook two meals. But I was completely meatless. And uh, now I'm just doing the, the eggs and the cheese and the butter. But what motivates me is my heart for the cruelty. For, for, and my heart, I'm an empath. So um, I, I can feel their pain. I can see their pain. I don't like the suffering. It bothers me. I don't even eat fish now. I won't even, I just, I can't do it. I'm, I'm so personally passionate about it now that it's just so easy for me, but I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned about budget and veganism because I know it's a very expensive way to go, <laughs> um, that I've, that I've heard. So it, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear people say it's hard and maybe they're saying it's hard because that's an excuse. I think I'll find a way, yeah. but I'm hoping you can help. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, you mentioned that cost uh, might be prohibitive for you, and we can talk about that here in a second. And I'm curious if you have to think about what the most challenging thing for you would be when you think about you know cutting out the the dairy and the eggs. What's the most challenging thing for you? Mm, probably a habit. Probably being a creature of habit, and you know having the foods that I'm used to having. And cooking the things on these time, the convenience of of the dairy, um, and my enjoyment of it. I enjoy it, and and I've heard people often say, "Sorry to sound disrespectful." Oh, it's the gifts from the animals. They don't have to kill the animals to get this stuff. I mean, I've really heard that. That's so obtuse. You know, <laughs> I, I I didn't. I actually bought that at one point. <laughs> Not okay. Yeah, you know what. I mean, everything you're saying, look, you, you, you obviously have what, what I like to refer to as a vegan heart. You, you understand, um, you know, the pain and the suffering that the animals are going through. I don't think that you need a ton of information from me right now because I think you have a good idea of what happens. Uh, and, and for you, it's probably the, one of the biggest things that holds people back is habit. It, it, you know, we're creatures of habit. Change is difficult, you know, it is, let's be real about that. I know like for me, when I started trying to work out, uh, it it was tough, it still is tough. I don't have a good habit when it comes to that. So my question to you is, if we gave you a resource right now that is specifically designed to help you develop a new habit, which is being vegan, would you you challenge yourself to do that? Would you challenge yourself to to take that challenge? Without even thinking about it, yes. Perfect, there's a website. Uh, if you have a pen, Hold challenge on. 22. Let me guess just a minute. I do. Let me just get something to write it on. I do. Sure. Perfect. 
Thank you so much. You have, I, this was just um, your arm, Andy. You can, you can tattoo it onto your arms. Oh. So you never forget it. <laughs> Say that again. I was no. I was just making the a website. Joke. So, so the the website is challenge twenty two dot com. Challenge twenty two dot com. They'll set you up with a a mentor group. You'll have people there to support you. You'll have all types of different challenges. You'll have uh, meal plans. You'll have uh, ingredient lists that you can go to the supermarket and buy. And they're, and they're also very conscious of keeping the cost low for people. Uh, whatever questions you have, wow. you have a whole support network there. And it's 22 days of trying to be vegan. And there's uh, a theory that says that it takes 21 days to kind of uh, develop a new habit. So that's the, the, the idea behind that challenge, the, the challenge 22. Would you, would you do it? Yeah. Um, you, can I be honest about what well, I'm going to do it? Can I be honest about one more thing? Yes. Of course. Veganism, veganism is so challenging because I really love my Ugg boots. I, oh my gosh. I sound like a spoke princess. Um, yeah. Giving up leather. That's, that's vegan guys. That's vegan. Um, that's the next step, but I'll take it one day at a time. Well, uh, go ahead. Let me just jump in for a second and say, um, there are vegan Ugg boots. (laughs) You can go online and buy vegan Ugg boots. Uh, and, uh, I'd be happy to research that. But if you actually Google vegan Ugg boots, I'll bet you my ball and dollar that they'll come up. Um, there's vegan, um, uh, everything today. And I, I see, I really like your approach, Alex, because my reaction would have been, and this is probably wrong to say, Hey, why don't just replace those dairy products? There's vegan butter, um, that they sell pretty much everywhere. I don't know where you live. Little feather. You said California, California, Ralph's, Ralph's has vegan butter. Um, they have the, uh, um, Earth Balance, they have, some of the places even have Miyoko's, they have vegan mayonnaise everywhere. Even in the 99 cent store, they have veginaise. And uh, they have tons of vegan cheeses, Daya, Tree Line, Follow Your Heart, Miyoko's, uh, the list goes on and on. So is that too practical to say, Alex? It's not actually. So what... Um uh, what we actually did there was we kind of did the second step of the framework that I normally teach. The third step is actually the presentation stage. And, and people tend to skip to that a little too quickly sometimes. Now, again, we have someone, a caller here, who's very uh, open and, and willing to, to hear the message. Sometimes people aren't this open, right? But I still don't skip steps. And of course, of course, we, we definitely want to share our expert vegan knowledge. Like something that I would share with you is I come from, I mean, I went straight from eating meat, dairy, eggs, I mean, every animal product under the sun, I ate it. And I stopped, uh, I watched one documentary, and I don't know if you've seen this, uh, it's Little Feather, right? Uh, I don't know if you've seen this yeah. documentary called Earthlings. Earthlings, have you heard of it? No, I've seen Meet Your Meat and Fast Food Nation. Okay, if you want to see something that, that really um, kind of, it was instant, it just made me go vegan on the spot, uh, that, that documentary is very powerful. It's called Earthlings. There's another one, a, a much newer one, uh, I, I'd say just as good. It's called Dominion. You can find both of those documentaries online for free. And uh, you can just Google search them, like uh, Earthlings documentary or, or uh, Dominion documentary, and they'll come up. And, um, and at, you know, for me, it was just, I, what I realized was that I could enjoy all the foods. Like, I, I'm a lasagna lover. I'm a burger lover. I'm a pizza lover. Uh, I can enjoy all of those foods, whether I make them myself or I go out and buy them, 
and I don't have to cause pain and suffering to other beings for those. Actually, let me ask you a question. If you could do that, if you could enjoy all the food you know, that you currently do or, or variations of it, but you know, you're eating food that you love, it's healthier for you, and at the same time, you're not hurting you know, baby cows, you're not separating calves and mothers, uh, you're not paying people for, uh, to throw baby chicks into grinders, how would you feel about that? I would do it in a minute. And that's, that's veganism, but you just have to develop those habits. That's all it is. And once you do, you'll see okay. how easy it is. It's, it's, it's not difficult. Seven years, seven years vegan. Jane, how long have you been vegan? 22 years. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Wow. wow. That conversation. Well, how thank, you. thank you, Little Feather. We love you. And please feel free to instant message me, Jane Velez Mitchell, on Facebook anytime. I would be very happy to help you in any way I can. It's a lot easier than you think it is. And it's fun. It's actually, you know, we end up eating uh, the same thing, the sad American diet, burger shakes and fries over and over and over again. It's actually an adventure in cooking and eating. There are cookbooks. JaneUnchained.com has hundreds of recipes. You know, we started when Facebook Live launched, we started doing uh, vegan cooking shows uh, because we were making lunch anyway. And we said, why not go live? And we have done a vegan cooking show every single day since that started, which is about three years ago never repeating a recipe once and we do it seven wow. days a week as soon as i leave here i'm going to a vegan wow. restaurant a new vegan restaurant in venice and we're going to profile a vegan dish uh tomorrow we're going to have another vegan chef the day after that we have somebody else we literally have never had to repeat a recipe you know you talk about people one of the things that people say all the time i love eggs i could never give up eggs well there's a way to make an eggless egg salad that tastes absolutely delicious uh, using tofu, a little turmeric, uh, some uh, uh, black or uh, black salt, which gives black it salt. the eggy flavor. You can even get that uh, follow your heart uh, eggless egg and you mix it all together. Uh, you put it uh, turmeric to make it look yellow. And it's just like you can make omelets. You can make all sorts of egg products. It's fun one of and it's not more expensive i challenge you a tub of tofu is like so much less expensive than the similar weight in meat uh so um it's about going in and finding those vegetables going to farmers markets it's a lifestyle change and it's a fun lifestyle change there's nothing more fun that you know on your day off to go to the bike down to the farmers market with a basket this this is um, a much more joyous way of living and it's an adventure. So it's no sacrifice. So thank you so much, uh, Little Feather, and we wish you the very best. And so I think we're going to take a short break here, Alex, but we're going to stay live on Facebook. Uh, and uh, so perhaps uh, let's take a break from the radio and uh, stay live on Facebook. After we take a short commercial break, we're going to come right back with Alex Bez, who is the founder of amazing vegan outreach, teaching vegan strategies to effectively communicate with people who haven't gone vegan yet. And you just saw an example right there of, of an incredible interaction that was very friendly, very loving. And uh, I wish we could replicate that around the world. So stay right there. We're going to be right back. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. 
there's a new force to be reckoned with in talk radio. It's not just talk radio. Hosted by LaTanya Jr. and co-host Tina Wynn and Tony Brown. Not Just Talk Radio is like a superhero. Inspiring, problem-solving, and informing. Packed with action-provoking conversations from news, movements, and social and politics issues. This program is about a wide range of voices and fresh points of view from experts, celebrities, and you, the listener. Not Just Talk Radio is broadcast live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Do you believe that being fit is difficult? Do you think it requires turning in your favorite comfort foods for boring chicken and broccoli and spending hours in a gym? It doesn't. Tune into Have It All with Devin Alexander. Devin and her guest experts will show you how you can have it all at any age, from relationships to money to thinking bigger than you've ever imagined. Devin will fast-track your goals to yummy reality. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. And I am here with our mascot, Little Rico, our rescue from Puerto Rico, and Alex Bez, the founder and director of Amazing Vegan Outreach, AVO, developing really effective strategies to convince people to Join us and let's have a world of normalized nonviolence. We have a caller, Paige, from Westlake Village. What's your question, Paige? Yes. Hey, Alex. I'm two workshops here in Los Angeles, so that's one thing. Um, I've been vegan for three years, and um, I'm also uh, a public speaker, so I'm very interested in that. Uh, came back from the amazing Central Coast Veg Fest and with my very vegan-friendly husband, uh, however, I will say, sadly, I left the house, came in. I shouldn't be admitting this. Oh, my gosh. Only that, anyway, he was then proceeding to make himself some chicken. So I'm in a quandary scenario. Um, I don't want to guilt him into this. However, I'm also at a loss. And I know I bring this up probably every single Monday, don't I, Jane? But meanwhile, Alex, what do you suggest to someone who has been exposed who has been, uh, you know, club shared and whatnot. I heard you say something about a lot of compassion. I'm really working on that. Paige is saying that her husband is not vegan and that she took him to a veg fest, exposed him to everything, and he still made chicken. Your thoughts? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll just touch quickly on the whole family aspect. And it comes up all the time in workshops, people's biggest frustration in you know, uh, getting people or inspiring people to go vegan are their family members. And they're usually the most difficult ones 
to have conversations with and to make progress with. You know, you can go out on the street. I can talk to 10 people and have 10 people want to go and try veganism. And then you go home and it's like one person, the one person you care about really going vegan, they don't. And so I think the first thing to recognize is what, what strains that, uh, that relationship, the communication between the two of you. Um, maybe your communication is okay, but I know, let me give you a quick story, really quick story. There was these two sisters. One sister was vegan. She was vegan for a few years. Every once in a while, she would send out an email to their family kind of email group. And she would share like a documentary or she'd share a recipe, you know, stuff to do with veganism. And when she did, her family would always accuse her of being pushy and, you know, trying to push her opinions on other people. But anytime other members shared anything not related to veganism, it was totally fine, right? Typical. So uh, a few years in, uh, her sister decides to go vegan, right? Now she's going to announce this. She's going to tell this to her other sister who's already vegan. And she, she gets her, she pulls her aside and says, hey, I want to tell you something. I made a decision and I'm going to go vegan, but it's not because of you. <laughs> and it's like, come on, you know? And that just shows... The, the, the extra challenge, the extra resistance that exists when family members are involved because egos are more easily triggered, I think. And so um, that being said, at the end of the day, all that I can do, I mean, I don't think you can guilt someone or you can't really shame your partner into going vegan. But uh, if you can help them tap into how they feel, if he's been exposed to all of this stuff, there has to be something in here, I would hope, that, that doesn't sit well with him, Right. So the question that I asked Little Feather, the last caller, and the same question that I would ask your husband is, okay, you know, when you think about this, first of all, yeah, you know it's important to me, but forget about me. For you personally, right, what, uh, how do you feel about how animals are being treated? How do you feel about the whole veganism topic? And then what is your biggest challenge? You know, when you think about it, obviously I'm sure you've thought about this. What is the thing that holds you back the most from replacing the chicken wings with cauliflower wings? You know, what, what, what's the thing that holds you back? And when they start, if they feel comfortable doing that, that's where you can coach. That's where you start asking them questions to come up with solutions themselves. There's a, a really, uh, I love a quote that I love that says, people believe what they say, not what they hear. And I see that my internet connection is a little unstable, so I'll say it again in case you missed it. People believe what they say, not what they hear. So when we can ask powerful questions and get people to say what we would otherwise want to tell them, it's they're more likely it's more likely to sink in and they're more likely to actually act on it. So that's that's the uh, the high level kind of advice that I would give you. And I agree with everything you just said. Brilliant because uh, it was explained to me, and I think every person who's vegan has this experience where they're frustrated. People that they really love, who they care about, are just completely shut down to the message. And somebody said something to me that gave me a little solace was that it's sort of what you're saying is that when somebody gets advice from somebody they know, it feels shaming. If they take it personally, it's a personal attack. So if somebody um, comes up to me that who I don't know and makes the same comment, it's going to sit better with me because I don't feel personally judged. So uh, let's just use any example we want. If it's um, weight, you know, I mean, uh, I struggle with, uh, you know, trying to take off the pounds here and there. If a stranger came up to me and said, you know, wow, um, you put on some pounds, I wouldn't take offense. But if somebody I really care about says that, oh, boy, that's a personal attack. So I think 
what I've decided to do after trying to get some people I really care about in my life to go vegan is I'm letting that go. Surrender, just like the 12-step program. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I'm trying to develop the wisdom to just let that go because I'd rather take that energy and convince 100 people that I don't know uh, to go vegan than to become frustrated and resentful going back to the same six or seven individuals that I'm hell-bent on making go vegan. Does that make any sense to you, Alex? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's uh, an expression. I love that. I love that uh, quote that you just said. There's an expression from sales. As a, as a former sales director and, and sales manager, we always talk about going after the low-hanging fruit. You know, and sometimes you, you, you see people get too caught up in going after this one sale that they just can't get and they, they, they want to figure it out and they, they you know, they, they're smashing their heads against their keyboard and it's like you have 10 other people right here waiting to, to buy something, right? It's the same idea with, with, with this. You know, you do your best, obviously. Do your best. Um, have the courage to, to, to actually change the things you can. Have the courage to recognize when you don't have maybe the, the right skills that you need and, and go and, and read books or figure stuff out. And then when you do your best, when you can't change it, yeah, let it go. Don't let it stress you out. Again, salespeople have to have that attitude. Otherwise, they go crazy. I just had an idea. And one of the great things about these conversations that we have every day that are extended every Monday is that we really get to, to uh, I don't want to use the word flesh out. We really get to dive deep into issues that normally we would just do um, more cursory, more superficial. But there's something called codependency. And, you know, uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic with 23 years of sobriety. Interesting that I went vegan after I got sober because I used to say I was an animal lover you know, and, uh, and basically um, lie to myself. And um, the codependency, the, the, the miracle and the dichotomy of codependency is once the codependent really does stop caring about the alcoholic or the drug addict and says, do whatever you want, I'm cutting the umbilical cord, but they have to really feel that way. Once the person who's the codependent stops rationalizing, minimizing, covering up, making excuses for, and otherwise providing a safety net and says, I'm finally done, do whatever you want, drink yourself to death, drug yourself to death, I don't care. And if they really feel that, and they are really in tune with the fact that it's not their problem and not their business, miraculously, that is the moment when sometimes the alcoholic or the drug addict gets help. So I will only say that to Paige is that maybe it's a codependency issue. And maybe when you really stop caring deep inside, that's when the miracle is going to happen. I don't know if that's gobbledygook, but why not? <laughs> it, it, works in 12, it works in codependency. I've seen it over and over again. Because what happens is that the person realizes, oh, I've pushed it too far. I don't have that safety net. I'm not going to be able to just continue doing what I'm doing without consequences. And then they start seeing the consequences and they wake up. So it's an interesting thing. I mean, I, you know, you're using incredible strategies, Alex, to, uh, to use psychology to help people uh, get where they need to go. 
Um, and, you know, uh, the 12 steps, alcoholism has been in, 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 since, since the dawn of humans. There's references to alcoholism in the Bible. And uh, it's only been in the last 100 years or less that there have been effective strategies for dealing with it. Uh, but prior to that, people were basically throw away the key. They're done. So uh, let's go to Sarah in Atlanta. Your question or thought, Sarah, Atlanta. Oh, hey. Um, hey, Alex. Um, thanks for coming to Atlanta and doing your class. That was great. Um, I want to ask you, I do, I do believe that people can be animal lovers and still eat animals because they don't know. And they're like, they see the advertising and the television stuff and they just don't know. So what do you say about the people that honestly, they really just don't know and we don't want to attack them. We really want to figure out why they don't know and how can we tell them in a way that can really open their eyes quickly. I know about the Cuba truth, but I'm saying like a mass amount of people like that don't know. Yeah. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I love Atlanta, by the way, the probably one of the most hospitable cities that I've, I've been to for, for the workshop. So thanks to all of you guys for that. And what you're describing is just the, the, the typical cognitive dissonance that uh, as humans, we, we, we experience, we experience it on so many different, you know, issues. And, and this is a great example of that. So I agree with you. People, it sounds weird, but people can hold these two views. Like they, they do love animals. Think of farmers, right? I'm, I know, I'm sure there are farmers who genuinely in their heart, you know, feel that they love their animals, yet they send them to get stabbed in the neck, right? It's this weird compartment. They can compartmentalize this and they can say, yeah, I love them, but you know, we have to do this. Right. And so, uh, you know, that's part of the reason why I don't judge people. I don't think that inherently people are bad. I think that inherently as humans, we are weak. And that's why this kind of coaching strategy, this idea of like supporting people and building them up and encouraging them, uh, I, I found works pretty well. Um, but I mean, you're, you're asking a really tough question. If I had an answer for that, uh, whew, I, I'd be doing it. Like, how, how, do you, how do you get the mass uh, population to, to connect with that? I don't know. Um, I will share one quote from Cesar Chavez. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase it because it's, it's a longer quote. But uh, somebody asked him, well, how do, you, how do you organize? How do you build a movement, right? The, the, he, was, he was working on the farm workers movement. And he said, well, it's pretty simple. He's like, first you talk to one person. Then you talk to another person. And then you talk to another person. He's like, there are no shortcuts. You just basically have to talk to people, inspire them, get them going, and then, and then that's what builds a movement. So uh, that's all I know right now. And if anyone has better suggestions than that, but that's why I believe in talking to as many people as we can and, uh, and, and you know, inspiring them and then inspiring them to inspire others. You know, and it's, it, it seems to be working so far. Uh, it can never happen fast enough, I'm sure. But Jane, I don't know if you have any suggestions on kind of the, the, uh, how to affect the mass population quickly. Well, uh, actually, I've been working with Dr. Selesh Rao, who was one of the creators of the internet, and he is trying to use the same methodology that they use to create rapid social change with the internet. I think we all remember our first computer where we were like, oh my God, how do you sign on? You need to know some code. Uh, and in eight short years, it was basically collapsed into the phone and uh, a laptop, and everybody felt like they couldn't live without it. And so what they did, these scientists, is that they broke down the, the major challenges into study groups and then sub-study groups and sub-study groups. And that is what Dr. Rao is doing as we speak. He is flying from 
the United States to Israel to spread the spread the word. Uh, in fact, uh, Jane Unchained, uh, in coordination with Neo Films, just concluded. We just wrapped up a documentary on Dr. Rao, and so you know he's giving me hope that rapid social change can occur, and that when it gets a certain momentum. Because obviously we have 7.6, 7.7 billion people on this planet. We can't talk to them all individually, one-on-one. There has to be kind of a wave that sweeps people up. And um, just like people didn't go house to house and explain to everybody how to use their computers. Um, uh, And he also uses the issue of gay marriage and says, you know, gay marriage went from something that everybody said, oh, are you kidding me? That's never going to happen. You're out of your mind to, hey, it's here. And so that happened very rapidly. Um, you know, the difference with this is that those are things that other people can just say, okay, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, as uh, the very fit, funny comedian said, it's not mandatory. <laughs> you know, you just have to say you don't have a problem with it. You don't have to change yourself. And the, the, the challenge with this particular issue is that we're asking people to change their behavior. Uh, but I I do believe if you look at Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Tipping Point, when we get to a certain percentage of the population, it flips. And we've seen that with a lot of things. And I believe we are getting to that tipping point. Um, And not not necessarily globally. I think in the United States and Europe and parts of Latin America, I know China eating animals is on the increase because they associate it with affluence. I think it, it really boils down to what a lot of people associate meat eating with. It's not just the food. It's the concept that, in, for example, uh, I was talking to people who are doing activism in China, that uh, people in China associate eating animals with affluence. Oh, I'm middle class or I'm, I've, I'm wealthy. You know, just like people, people who have, uh, they have to walk around with a Rolex because they don't feel so good about themselves. So they've got to let everybody know with their Porsche and their Rolex that they're of a certain class. I mean, we see it here in LA everywhere. It's mind boggling. Um, I always call it a contrarian indicator of low self-esteem personally. If you have to have all those totems around you to say that you're whatever, I mean, that's really the fur issue. The fur issue, nobody needs fur. Fur is dead, but people, some people feel the need to wear it because they're socially insecure. So I feel like what's so interesting is to try to understand these social issues that are connected to meat eating and flip that equation. When people, because now it's starting to happen, Alex, people are starting to really associate affluence. I don't particularly care about that issue, but if somebody really wants to be considered affluent, now it's more associated with eating plants than it is eating animals in the United States. Do you have thoughts? Yeah, Yeah, well, you know, I, I do have a theory. I don't. I don't often share it um, because I don't want to dissuade people. But I'll, I'll tell. I'll tell you what my theory is, and and I do believe. I genuinely believe that we will see. I'm I'm 38, uh, and I believe that within my lifetime we will see massive changes. We will see a nearly plant-based world, and the main reason for that, it's not what a lot of people like to hear. I don't think that it's going to be led by a mass awakening, a mass consciousness. I think that will follow. But what I think will happen, what I think is happening now, is the most powerful forces on the planet right now are coming together. And that's, that's capitalism, that's money, that's economics. And they're making it more and more expensive to produce animal products. And they're making it less and less expensive to produce plant-based products. And that's the only reason why uh, you know, Tyson uh, Foods in the U.S., the only reason why 
they've made, you know, the CEO made a statement that the few, basically that they're going to be investing in and going towards plant-based products and, and start kind of, they, they see a shift happening from uh, animal-based meat to plant-based meat. It's not because of their ethics. I'll tell you that right now, you know, it's because of the dollar signs. So as companies like Tyson and big, huge multinational corporations start promoting and advertising plant-based foods, well, what do you think is going to happen? People are going to start, it's going to start normalizing it. People will start buying it and it'll make it easier to, uh, to become, you know, morally conscious and, and aware of what's going on. So that's, I kind of see that happening. And, and for, you know, before that happens or as it happens, I should say, uh, I think that we can really help speed that along uh, by encouraging people to at the bare minimum go vegan and start removing their financial support of those industries and at best become active and be another, you know, be part of that change, inspire other people to start removing their dollars and investing them into, you know, what I think is the most powerful vote that we have, the financial vote into the plant-based uh, products. So that's the way I kind of see it happening. I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, I was thrilled to see, watching the Oscars last night, that the Carl's Jr. commercial for their vegan Beyond Meat burger ran not once, but a couple of times. And it's a very clever commercial. And, uh, you know, we applaud uh, all any company that moves in the right direction. So we went, as soon as we heard that uh, Carl's Jr. had a Beyond Meat Burger, we went to the local Carl's Jr. here and went live. And it was actually delicious. You could get it 100% vegan. Just say no cheese, no mayo. You put the, the tomato sauce or the ketchup and the mustard and the lettuce and the onion and the tomato. And it was delicious. And so those are the kinds of big changes that are hitting. Ikea has a, uh, just introduced a veggie dog at, along with their Swedish vegan meatballs. Costco yep. took out their Polish sausage and replaced it with the Alpastore salad and an acai bowl. And, uh, you know, so we do see these changes. Um, let me ask you, we only have a, a few minutes. Where do you see it going and where, where are you going next with Avo? I want to talk about Avo as we wrap up. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so uh, you know, I think that one of the best contributions that I can give to this movement, at least right now, is sharing these skills that I've picked up over my my two decades of sales. And what I've noticed is that people that learn these new skills, that manage to practice and implement them, I receive messages all the time from people saying, "Oh my God, uh, you know, at the last uh, Cube of Truth that I went to, I went, you know." nine for nine, you know, nine people I talked to and nine people said that they would go and actually take action towards going vegan. So, uh, yes, it helps the, you know, people around us go vegan faster. And I think, uh, one of the big side benefits to me is that people feel more, um, they feel less stressed out. They feel more positive. They have faith in humanity. Whereas it's easy to lose faith in humanity. If we're talking to people and maybe we're not using the right conversational structure and people are resisting us and then we walk away being like oh people suck and I used to feel that way by the way I used to feel that way when I first went vegan for a few years I hated people uh, I'm a very different person now people are like how are you so positive and it's because I started implementing a lot of the skills that I used to know so I know that we're, we're uh, wrapping up here and if, if you don't mind what I love to do is encourage people anybody who wants to check out the type of stuff that I do uh, to go and visit the website so amazingveganoutreach.com I have a video library there in the menu, and you can uh, view webinars. Uh, there's about eight webinars that are up now on different topics of the conversational framework that I use. 
There are also outreach examples, so conversations of me talking to people on the street. You can see what this approach does and how people react to it. Uh, it's not it's not a perfect approach, by the way. There's no magical tool, but it, it's it's a it's a format you know that I, I, I depend on heavily heavily to get to inspire people. So uh, and like you said, Jane, if anybody wants to reach out to me. Uh, you can do so through the website as well, amazingveganoutreach.com. Uh, it's literally what I'm here for is to support vegans and animal rights activists and even non-vegans. If you want to just chat and, and you know, you're going to have someone who's non-threatening, who's non-judgmental. If you want to talk to me, I'm more than happy to talk to you. So please reach out through that website. There's a contact us, uh, contact me um, option there. Well, all I want to say is I want whatever you're having. <laughs> Smoothies every day. If you already do, probably. <laughs> I love your attitude and you're inspiring me to get that attitude. Um, and you're right. You're absolutely right. The animals cannot afford us being aggro. That's the bottom line. We need to use every skill, every um, charm that we have to try to wake people up to this. And I really am going to visit your site, and I visited it, but I'm going to watch all those webinars. Uh, I cool. really think what you're doing is incredible. It's amazingveganoutreach.com. That's Amazing it. Amazingveganoutreach.com. And everybody who is pre-vegan, check it out. Everybody who's vegan, if you want to get those skills, I would say um, that's the place to go because – Really, we're really about persuading people. That's what it's all about. We're, we're making an argument. You know, and, and I'll just wrap up by saying I've, I covered crime for many years, which I don't cover anymore. I had a realization that that was part of the problem. But um, I've seen some great attorneys who have gone in with a case that seemed 100% against them, and they've gotten an acquittal because they had a good strategy. And it's the same thing with us. It may seem like we've got a big mountain to climb, but if we use those good strategies, we can make it happen. Thank you, Alex Bez. You are an inspiration. I am so thrilled that you took the time uh, to talk to us today, and I hope that we work together real soon. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate okay. it. Bye. Okay. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.